Keep it together. 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 Just the entire time you're in. That's a very good mantra to have, actually. Just make sure when you get in the elevator, you're in there by yourself. This is The Law School Show. Discovering the person behind the resume. Bringing you their stories and their tips on how to succeed in your legal career. Catch it all here, right now, on The Law School Show. Today we are going to be talking about the Toronto recruitment process. Today's episode is also going to be a bit of a combination of calls notes for OCIs combined with detox and a little bit of therapy. So we're going to start off with things that we felt surprised us during the recruitment process. I think one thing that really did surprise me and kind of threw me off at first was how quickly things moved and how exhausted you could feel after even just a meeting. Just trying to keep yourself level and keep yourself going throughout the entire day was a little demanding. So it sounds trivial, but keeping yourself just stable, keeping yourself having a good healthy breakfast at the start of the day and keeping hydrated, those kind of little things can really help you just kind of make it to the end of the night because you got to keep that positive face going for the cocktails, for the dinners, all the little things that they expect you to show up for and participate in. So that's one thing I, that's one thing I wasn't really anticipating, but uh, well, yeah. One thing that surprised me was how upfront and blunt uh, the firms are with the artificiality of the experience. How crazy it is, how intense it can be. They might have gone through it or they have recently engaged with, you know, different students have talked them through it if they're a bit out of date. And how they were just wanting you to know how sincerely they are just there to have a chat. And that you have uh, met the bar, you've, you know, all these things you don't need to worry about. Just be yourself and like it or lump it, you're going to fit or you're not going to fit. And it's not really much to agonize over. And how just blunt and straightforward and casual the conversation was around, you know, the elephant in the room, which is that this is a weird way to get a job. It surprised me how open people were. So like I actually called up an associate and I talked to them all about the recruitment process and they gave me the entire lowdown. And like you feel like it's always it's always kind of weird cold calling people because you've never met them. But they're totally open to that. And I felt that camaraderie really translates through and you don't really expect people to do that. And I feel like that's a lesson that we've learned through many of the other podcasts that we've done. It's that the legal field is very open to talking to other people who are interested in the legal field. I really found it surprising how casual the meetings were and how little the conversations had to do with academics and how they were more centered around you as a person. I mean, walking in, I was like, oh, it's going to be like an interrogation where they're going to be like, so what's this? Tell me about this. You know, why are you so qualified for this job? But no, it's just like, hey, can I sit with you on a late night and have a conversation and work on something together? Are you the type of person that I could potentially see around the office that everybody would potentially like? Um, yeah, it was very casual and relaxed, and I found that really surprising. Like, I found as the meetings progressed, one meeting to the other, I found my level of nervousness was slowly going down. Walking in, I was like very nervous, but one after the other, slowly on the decline. I, I will say one thing, I mean, overall I had a similar impression, everyone was very casual, laid back, it was a pretty frank conversation, but again, you're dealing with different personalities all the time, you're going to run into some people that are a little more conservative, a little more, they hold things more tightly to their vest, 
the mentality you have to go in with is that you're there because you were in that place. Just be there, be yourself, and whatever happens, happens. You kind of got to roll with it. Some things may not go exactly as you'd hope, but those are just the cards you're going to be dealt. And be prepared for things to happen. But overall, I think the tenor from the people that I've talked to outside of the group that's here right now is it was very casual, very laid back, very friendly. They don't want to have a confrontational argument either. They're there interviewing like probably 10, 20 people by the end of it. And they just want to have a fun conversation with people and see how you guys click. I think what was really neat was how quickly the personalities of firms came through in their associates and their partners and you can't fake that from a firm perspective. They can't fake to you what they're all about when you're in it for a, a good period of time. Similarly, don't think that you're going to be able to fake who you are because you can't. You might be able to put on a little bit of a show but my colleague said here, you got, you're going to be run down and, and you're going to be tired and you're going to be off your game depending on like any given time. You're going to be caught off guard. So you may as well just have the confidence that knowing that at your worst you're still capable, competent, assured, and highly likely to get a position just based on being yourself. What's one thing that people always say will happen and actually did happen that you found occurring in the recruitment process? Booze. The drink. There was always, in each, actually each opportunity, there was always that choice where you have to sort of join in on the party or not. And I felt like that was one area that I kind of underestimated, that, that people were always saying, oh, you're going to have the option to, to have a beer or two or seven, whatever. There was a very interesting consistency of, you know, there was always almost a booze test in every single one. And that was something where I was like, no, like, I'm going to have lunch. We're not going to be offered wine. Well, you are. And interestingly enough, at one, there was, you know, seven or eight of us, 100% decline in the wine offer, which was a very tense first candidate decision. And they ruled the rest of the table. They were like, no thanks. And everyone just jumped on board. No, no thanks, no thanks. But I'm pretty sure that if somebody said yes, it might have been a different afternoon interview day drunk. <laughs> I mean, alcohol is a bit of an issue, right? Some people don't drink by choice. And I will say, I was lucky enough that the cocktail receptions I went to always had a non-alcoholic option. But having a drink in your hand, whatever it is, it could be a Sprite, it just, it just helps to kind of maybe create a, it puts it into more of a social context. It's not as formal anymore. So having a drink of any kind is useful. Um, if people feel pressured to drink when they don't really want to, I mean, I feel like that's, uh, take, take the warning sign for what it is. I don't think that's going to be a place you can be too happy to be working at, but overall I didn't find I was pressured ever to be drinking. I usually have a glass, and my colleague here actually gave me a really good tip, which is always keep the glass half empty, so you always have an excuse to walk out of a conversation you're locked into. I gave him that tip, by the way. Yeah, that, that colleague that just spoke. She was <laughs> anonymous, right? <laughs> yeah, I feel it's a social test more than a drinking test. More of a comfortable with who you are test. Also, don't forget self-control is a huge issue as well. I mean, the keeping an eye out to see how much you're binging on it. Like, if you're, what are you really focused on doing? Because, I mean, cocktail receptions are, are a strange beast. I mean, it's pretty artificial. I mean, everyone knows why they're there. Everyone's kind of there as signposts. Make sure you're kind of bouncing around the room, talking to different people, and don't get too involved in the liquor or the food. It's just kind of there as a background noise, right? I mean, there's some people that were 
like having two or three beers in them, you could tell that people were noticing that. And it's those little kind of tricks that everything's always being analyzed when you're around lawyers. What a great environment to be in. Yeah. I think it's important to note that from a candidate perspective, you're always overanalyzing every nuance. And if you're at your friend's house, somebody, you know, relative of a relative that you don't know that well, how are you going to behave? That's sort of a, a similar way of what's the impression you want to leave on people that you don't know. And if you're the type of the person that is, you know, completely comfortable with getting trashed and, and, and being that person, I mean, sometimes that might be great in certain contexts, but there's other times where, you know, is it the most appropriate? And I think uh, in hindsight, we'll always, you know, as candidates, we'll agonize over, did I hold the drink right, or did I have too many or not enough, or did I, did I talk in the right way? But the key thing is you're there for a job, you're there to talk to these people that want to, want to employ you and to have confidence and say, I got this, I'm going to stay on point, I'm going to be able to like beat around the bush, but my central messaging is always the same, is that you want to be with me in five years sitting around the cooler. You know, you want to work with me for a 15-hour day on a last-minute file. You, you want me around you. And I think if you're the guy that boozes it up at the relative of a relative house and leaves that kind of impression, that relative of a relative probably won't invite you over again. It's very true. Like, we talk about how um, the recruitment process is kind of like dating. Speed dating is a really interesting analogy because I think that's exactly what it is. And for the people that are lucky enough to have more than a couple of interviews, some of them may not go the way you wanted them to go. It's really important that you recover from that quickly and you move on to the next one. you got to be ready to shake off the unexpected turns. you got to be ready to shake off the mistakes, the little slips, and just keep trying to make that best impression, either for the next person or the same person if you're trying to recover the situation. All you got to know is you have a very small amount of time, relatively speaking, to make that impression on them. So going in with that speed dating mentality, being confident, being ready, being focused, and knowing what you're looking for and what you want to actually convey to them is, I think, probably the single most useful key that I took in between my, uh, my different rounds. What's one thing you wish you had done or listened to that you might not have done during the interview process? Well, for me personally, don't over-prepare. I, I ended up on the drive-thru, my dad was dropping me at my first interview, and in the car I had my laptop on my lap, going through all of my first four interviewers, well, my announced interviewers at least, just reviewing little facts about them, trying to figure out their life, and turned out like, hey, you mentioned something about an area of interest um, that they happen to be working in, and that conversation takes a little segue, and then boom, you're right back into, so tell me more about you, right? You're gonna have plenty of opportunity once we've figured out that you're the right candidate to be in this firm. Um, for you to come and talk to us or explore uh, your interests, but for now we want to know mostly about you and we want to be able to tell you that little bits of information that we think might be helpful for you to make a decision. Um, so, I mean, don't over-prepare, just uh, one or two bulletin points about your interviewers is fine. Um, just make sure the connection that you want to make with your interviewer, it's not an artificial, I'm so interested, but it's more of a personal connection as in, hey, I'm genuinely interested in something, or I found something that I was reading about you online really interesting, you know? 
just be genuine about it. Don't come off artificial saying, hey, I'm just trying to connect with you because somebody told me in the podcast or someone told me to connect with your interviewer. So but you should always listen to what you hear on a podcast. Yeah, always listen to us. <laughs> I, I will say that you touched on a couple of really important points. One, it's tough to really fully anticipate where the conversation is going to go. A lot of it is natural because it's so much back and forth. Have a couple of questions prepared because they will almost guaranteed flip the conversation to you and try to sell themselves to you as well because that's part of the process and we do tend to forget that. And the second point, and this one is clear, I mean, we're dealing with law firms here. They're naturally conservative. They're not going to take a lot of risks. They're dealing with candidates and they got to make sure they identify the ones, not just that they want, but that want them. So if there's one or two that at the top of your list, let them know, right? I mean, you don't need to, it, you got to find a way, I guess, to balance how you convey it, but be unequivocal if there's a number one choice in your mind. Let them know because they will respond to that favorably. And again, in the calling rounds for the subsequent conversations, that factor will come into play when they're trying to figure out who they want to invite back for the second round because they don't want to be left hanging either. When they make those phone calls on call day, they want to, they want to know that the ones they call first say yes because otherwise they're left holding, they're, they're left at the end of a game of musical chairs without a seat. So being clear about where your interests lie can go a really long way to elevating your chances of getting a call back and getting your foot into that door. What my colleague is pointing out is tell them if you know. And I think that's important. If you know, make it clear. There's no room for subtlety when you have the opportunity, which is slim, to be face-to-face -face with a person that is going to be in charge of where you'll start your legal career. There's no room for just a shy or aloof sort of manner. And you don't have to be, like, by saying that, let's buffer it a bit, you don't have to say, I am crazy for you, you are the number one to every single firm because you're like, hire me, put me anywhere. Seriously, man. But when you know, if you do know, just be direct, and uh, I think it's a great tip to take that opportunity when you see it. But you may not see it. I had a case where I had some very top contenders, fortunate enough to have choice, but and it really came down to my gut, nuanced interactions with people, and sometimes you just have to go with with that, and that may not be as clear as if you go with you know, somebody that you just click with, you know the firm that does this X type of work in this area that you, you know, you think is the right thing. There may be another one that does pretty close, but has the right type of environment. And you have to be open and be ready to kind of accept those indicators. And, and you got to be kind of tuned in that way because you are also interviewing them. I think that is one thing that um, sometimes, you know, I've heard and done and, and achieved excellently at some junctures. Other times I found myself trying to prove myself to them 100%. It was not a two-way street. I think that was a clear indication. You know, when they're trying to sell themselves 100% to you, you're trying to sell themselves. You know, when you realize that you're like sitting there and looking, you're kind of equal partners in this sort of weird dance, then then I think that's a good feeling because you feel like there's some reciprocity, there's some mutual accountability and respect. For sure. I think the thing with 
this whole mysterious recruitment process is really your gut feeling and you never really know until you're in it because you can't describe why it feels right or how it feels right. It just does. Like it could be anything. It could just be like something as simple as like what that person is wearing, but that actually speaks to you or something like that. I don't know. It could be anything, right? But like it, it's very individualistic. So you can't, I don't feel like you could ever put it in a box and say, oh, well, it, when you see these and this and that, then suddenly it's perfect for you because that's not how it is for every individual person. For example, when I was in the process, I thought that one firm was my top firm because you don't, you can visit the firm tours, you can talk to some associates and kind of get that feel. But then when you're in that interview process, suddenly something switches and like suddenly a firm that was not in my contending list, I connected with them really well and that made me actually interested in that firm. And that changed my rankings completely. But that's not necessarily the case for everyone. Who could be your top pick might actually be your top pick. But it's all about just how you feel at that moment. I guess it's self-assurance again. Self-confidence in your own ability to judge your surroundings and people and that. And if, you know, for young law students entering this process that haven't gone through professional interviews before, I think it's very important to understand that this is not the norm and that there is a touch of performance and artifice to it, um, but that generally it's a streamlined version of what you may, you know, you'll go through more recruiting experience and job training prep and skill training in this process than you will over a short career worth of nailing down one or two permanent jobs. So understand that you're on the bottom end of the learning curve when it comes to your professional self-presentation and that's okay they know this they're ready for it and your gut is serving you well your gut got you to where you, you are i would say that if you do have any kind of questions you can have a really valuable resource all around you when you're actually at the firm which is the articling students the ones that are either going to be carrying you around or the ones that are going to be just loitering around at the cocktail reception because, you know, they have to be there. They're going to be pretty frank about it. So if you want to go and say, hey, I'm really interested in this kind of work. Uh, can you point me or introduce me to someone? Or even just in the student recruiting committee, can you point me towards someone in the recruiting committee and maybe introduce me? Nine times out of ten, honestly ten times out of ten, I didn't find any anyone that turned me down. They would literally walk me over and they'd introduce me, they'd have a conversation, and they'd be a great facilitator. So if you're ever in doubt about where to go next, where to kind of look for, if you have any small questions, they are a tremendous resource. Maybe don't be completely blunt about, you know, who's a jerk in the office kind of thing. You're not going to get an honest, you're probably not going to get an honest answer out of that one. But if you need small questions answered, they are one of the most valuable resources you're going to find on the fly when you're actually in the firms. I would say avoid any negatives in the sense of like who's the worst person at the firm but you can definitely ask them who do you look up to in the firm and like why do you look up to them and like get get that sort of perspective it's always harder to ask for like the worst best is probably better and then you can judge based on their answers whether or not you like their answer and like what you've heard from other firm answers and if you're so lucky to receive multiple firms you can compare that and see the differences there one funny story I asked a question, which I tended to ask fairly consistently as part of my advice that I heard is have kind of one similar-ish question to keep bringing to every firm so that you can kind of have one standard to compare against. And <laughs> I was shocked when I said, what brings you to work or what keeps you at work? It was some question like that. 
And a guy was so upfront about, I can work anywhere. This place isn't all that special. It's, uh, it's, it's good enough. Not really sure if I like law. And, you know, as the, we went through, I was kind of like trying to grapple with this. And like, is this guy just in a bad mood? Did I get stuck with a bit of a lemon as far as a recruiter? And then it suddenly occurred to me that if there's a place where somebody could be so blunt and open and forthright about their professional intents, and it's like they're putting that person out there, you I mean, it's either one way or the other. And it's, I very much got the sense that they put that person there to just snap a reality check on you and to just say, you know what, like this is a great place, but there are lots, find yours, you know, and I'm here, and like this, or that guy was like, I'm here, uh, and he continued to be there, I mean, he was a partner, and like, he obviously wasn't going anywhere, and he, he was doing some good work when he got talking about it and was excited, so you could tell that like, alright, maybe he's a bit of a, you know, a bit lukewarm at first, but what a neat way of just sort of understanding that, yeah, there's options, you know, there are options throughout your career. It was a funny way that I got caught off guard by, like, I wanted, I was expecting him, like, I was getting all these fluffy, positive answers. Oh, Team Spirit, rah, rah, we have a great barbecue, and look at my office, it's kick-ass. And the rest, I mean, I was, it was refreshing to hear somebody just be like, I grind it out sometimes, and I hate my life. So I'm surrounded by good people, and that's what makes me come back. But that is the reality of it. Yeah. And like, I feel like... It sucks sometimes. It does, it does. And I feel like the honesty is, it's almost, it's, as you said, it's really refreshing when you hear it because you know it. You know what you're going into. But it feels better than like, it feels like you're being less lied to, I guess. But the reality check is very important. Just via sheer numbers, not everyone is going to succeed despite going through the process. And to know that it really might not be you, but just the fact that there can't be that many spots open for all the people, all the candidates who are going through it, it's important for you to know that it's not your fault. Like, don't blame yourself. Don't, don't get down on yourself just because it didn't work out. So what is something that nobody told you, but you wish that you knew prior to going into this whole thing? I will be honest about this, and it shows maybe my lack of preparedness going into it. I had no idea Toronto had three interviews. I thought they had one, because uh, the place I went to, I also interviewed in Vancouver, they had one, and then they tell you, then like the next day they do a call day, and it was done. So I rented a car, and I'd been ready to go, and then my buddy in Toronto's like, yeah, you might want to stick around until Wednesday. And, you know, and there's a lot of swearing involved, a bit of crying, I went to the fetal position for a bit, and then I realized, Okay, I can do this, it's not that bad. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, I was improvising a lot, I guess, my first time around in Vancouver, and it bit me in the butt. The second time around, I thought I was prepared, but there are always going to be some facts that sneak by you, some little key parts of etiquette that you might not pick up on. Like for Ottawa, I've heard it's a little more formal than the Toronto process. They're a little more black tie, they're a little more um, careful about how you behave in social, uh, social settings, that kind of stuff. So. Again, finding someone that's already on the inside and getting their insight into it is, is a really important part of the process, I think, because from the outside, we can only give you so much of our experience for Toronto, but Ottawa is a different beast. All these other places are going to have their own little culture, their own little uh, business etiquette set we may not actually pick up on. So when you go in, don't be afraid to just reach out to someone 
an associate even, or so, a former Ottawa grad who might actually be working there, and just see what they can offer you in terms of insight or how you can approach the process. And that will that'll go a long way to helping you out, I think. At least when you can walk in a little more reassured. This might also speak to my lack of preparedness, but I had no idea that firms will email you that they have the intention to call or intention to interview, like all of that. So here's the, here's the process if you're not too clear on the recruitment. You first submit your application, so that's the written portion, and then you have the OCI, which is the on-campus interview, and then you go, if you're so lucky, then you get informed. But at each stage, so once you get to OCI stage, prior to that, you get an intention to, to on-campus interview you email. So like they can't tell you that they're going to, but they will email you. Like if you don't get anything, it doesn't mean you're not going to get a call on call day. But also know that if you don't get anything, your chances might have dwindled down. I know that there is a waiting list for people who turn down calls. And so you might not get that intention to call email. Well, the thing is, I mean, these are pretty risk averse institutions, right? I mean, they're flying blind as well. They have no idea how many people have been calling you or like why exactly set it up. So it's a way, I guess, of signaling in advance, you know, set aside some time or if you like us, you know, prioritize us. One thing you can take away from this is if you walk in with the top five list and you hear back from the bottom four, focus on those four. Focus on the ones that you have taken the time to maybe contact you because honestly, odds are the ones that reach out to you in some way by email are the ones you're going to be hearing back from on call day. The ones that don't, unfortunately, it isn't always. It's, it's unlikely that the phone's going to be ringing from them. So I guess uh, I'm saying be a little realistic about it and focus on the ones that you do have maybe kind of a little locked in and put those at the top of your list for now. And if you get a call on call day, then reprioritize. But again, go with the evidence that's in front of you. I hate to keep bringing up the comparison between the romantic angle, because yeah. I do not want to be romantically involved with my employer. Um, I don't know. But you want the one that wants you. You want the girl or the boy that wants you. And I think that's an important relationship advice in general, is that you want to chase this thing that you think you want. It has no interest in you. Drop it as quickly as you attach to it. And you want the one that wants you. I think that's a huge lesson to get over during this really weird place where you might have choices that are not necessarily your first ultra super duper pick. And when you're, a, you know, high strung, high achieving, you know, go getter law student, that's hard pill to swallow. But um, that's life. And I think it's most important to maximize the happiness if, if you can through just simply not deluding yourself. You know, one thing that nobody told me, but I wish I knew was how important it is to take advantage of the little opportunities firms will give you to get in touch with other people. They'll do this little message which will be like, is there anything else we can, you know, anybody else we can put you in touch with? And that's not just a pleasantry, it's saying, are you actually interested in meeting us? And, you know, with one particular firm, I talked to, way well ahead of time, an articling student, a partner in a certain area I was interested in, a couple associates, several in another working group I had interest in, and several members of the working committee individually, and then the managing partner, which I got an opportunity, which was very weird, but fun. 
well, not weird at all, actually, quite awesome. And it was one of these things where you just sort of like, I took advantage of these little hints of like, well, you know, if you want to talk to so-and-so, feel free. And then it's on your shoulders. You have to have the initiative to reach out. And you are the one that has to show that you are the go-getter. And I think it's just very important to take note of when those opportunities are, you know, they're, they're cracking the curtain for you. They're saying, like, you, do you have any questions, a.k.a. Because if you don't, you don't really want the uninquisitive person, you know? And that's an opportunity that you may think maybe people will flop on, which is to say, I got this. I, I will say that even if you don't want to communicate with them, it's always, I guess, good to be responsive to those kind of opportunities. So if they say, if there's anything else you want to know about us, just send them an email saying, you know what, I had a really fantastic time meeting you, but I had a really a great impression from you guys. I don't have any questions right now. I already asked a bunch of questions about person X, person A. And if I do, I'll be happy. I'll definitely reach out and make contact. Just, again, always be clear about the interest you have in the firm. And again, always be responsive. Like one thing that comes up are, are the freaking thank you notes. I mean, Let's talk about the thank you notes. Oh yeah. gosh. Like, even the lawyers, I mean, I actually, I was sitting down, and I was like waiting for like a, a second interview, and then I was like, so what do you think about thank you notes? I was like, oh, fuck, I hate them. My phone just keeps going off. I don't know if it's a client. I don't know who it is, but it's all about the signaling, because if you don't call, email, email them back, they're going to be wondering why. So just go, you know, when you meet them, go home that evening, make sure you have the business card, or if you've drop one like I did, go on the um, go on the website, find the um, email, and just send them a note saying, hey, I really um, enjoyed meeting you, maybe bring up a small, small snippet of the conversation, and that's it. You don't need to make a long thesis out of it, but just, just send a note and then, yeah, have a drink. On the flip side, if you're not into it, screw it. Oh no, yeah, I didn't really... Um... Well, I think, I think I'm an exception because I didn't send any thank you notes or anything except to that one interviewer who I really never had a time to like let them know how much I appreciated that conversation with them because I was pulled away in the midst of our conversation. Um, and that was an unexpected meeting, so I totally understand. So the reason was because I knew that of the 19 other people or how many ever they're interviewing that day, every one of them is going to send the standard thank you notes in a few hours or potentially like the next day. So I was like, listen, I'm just gonna find a way in the conversation to let them know that I really appreciate them. And for me, I walked into every interview saying, what's one thing that I'm gonna remember about them? So I walked into every interview saying, hey, I'm gonna leave one thing with them that they're gonna remember. So for example, one of the meetings was a conversation about a DVD that they had on their shelf which turned out to be a case that they represented for the director. So stuff like that, they're like, oh, I'm really interested that you picked up on that. So these little things there um, can go a long way compared to a generic standardized thank you note that says, hey, I'm telling you what the rest of everyone else that you interviewed are telling you as well. Generically, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Right. So you want to be sincere. If it takes a thank you note, then sure, make sure you really mean it. Don't let it just be like a, hey, thank you, I really enjoyed it with you, but actually bring up something that you connected with so they know, oh, this person isn't just writing it because they feel obliged to, but they actually appreciate something that we talked about. And I'm surprised that after meeting with so many other people, this person still remembers that. So 
make it sincere or don't do it at all. If you're not into them and you had like a real negative experience, don't put your extra effort in. I mean, if you just clearly want to opt out, which I, I did, I clearly wanted to opt out of uh, a situation because I had a, a mediocre experience I was surprised to get a second interview from. And on top of that, I had just like a very odd series of correspondences and I just could not tell what was going on. And then I got into a room like a shark feeding frenzy. And I thought it was, and this is opinionated, but it was one of the most inappropriate experiences I've had as far as a recruiting, all of the recruiting. What did that kind of entail for you that made you back away? I don't want to be too dramatic, but I almost think that they could have had a starting pistol for all the people that they could manage to shove in a room at once. Uh, two to one or three to one ratio for applicants to staff, associates and partners. Um, in a medium sized room, people crowding and bumping and drinks and loud, almost shouting above people, uh, the jostling, the jockeying, and it was just, it was what you would think in a movie almost, and I wanted nothing to do with it. And uh, I tried my best and I got a little uh, one or two little notable conversations, and I, I should say, like, they're a great place. I have a friend that works and loves it there. But I was just really appalled at this style, or this event. And in the course, in, you know, in sequence with everything else, I just wasn't getting the right vibe. And again, this is in a position where I was thinking, no thanks. Like, I, I, I just, I don't want to be another fish in that pond. If you had to do this process again, what would you do differently? I would, whenever you get some time, work out your jaw muscles because you're going to hurt from smiling so much at everybody. So that's well, something yeah. good to do. I, I don't know what I'd do. I think I could, one thing I would do for my very first interview when I was going in, I had no idea what to expect. There was a lot of dead air in the conversation because they flipped the conversation over to me and had a couple of like, um, questions to know, but I didn't really know where else to go from there. So the second one I went into, I was a little more aggressive about like, throwing ideas out there, throwing little bits of conversation, kind of keep the momentum going. That's what I think I would have, I think I messed up on the first time because when you have that dead air, just, it's a wasted opportunity. So make, be prepared to keep the momentum going in the conversation. Don't let it fall into the silence. You know, make a joke, make an observation about something in the office, keep it going, ask questions about the kind of work they do. I mean, for what they want to talk about, they'll, they'll have stuff to kind of contribute as well and keep playing off of that and the opportunities they'll present. Absolutely, dead air isn't something that you want, but a short pause while you're thinking about something insightful to say or, you know, thinking of a, cre a question that's really meaningful is not necessarily bad because that shows that, hey, somebody's capable of directing a conversation by pausing it to reflect on something that's going to put me in a spot where I have to respond to them in a, in a way that gives them what they want to know or answers your question. So, on the one hand, a slight pause shows your ability to direct a conversation, but just make sure that that question that's following that pause is really worth that pause, mm -hmm. right? So, um, let's just a little add on. I went through a couple processes of Calgary and I was in Vancouver, and one thing that I did and uh, one that I didn't do in the other was, uh, I went for runs. But, you know, to do activity or to, to veg out on a movie on Netflix or to find that little out, to not just like come back from this overamped environment and not detox. If you have multiple interviews and you have any space in between, if you're not doing the thank you note thing or whatever, make sure you just take a little small downtime. 
whatever it is, go for a stroll in a local park, you know, go to the mall, buy some new earbuds or something, like, do what your thing is. And make sure that, like, you find something that centers you before and in between each one of these things. That actually brings me to my next question, which is one thing that really worked during the process. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I found that detoxing or actually surrounding yourself with people that you can care about and you know that they care about you as well, like just that support group, that really helps because you're going into this typically alone. Um, it's not like you can have like your horde of friends coming in with you to the interview, but like some things can end up going wrong. And it's nice to have like a friend there, like I was lucky because I was staying with uh, one of my old roommates in Toronto while I was going through this process and there was one interview just that just did not feel good and I was really glad to have my friend there because like she picked me back up and she got me back to where I needed to be. We're very lucky to be going to this school because there's a fantastic network of people here that are capable of just being a reassuring essence like a part of your life and I think that's really important because it is an isolating experience. Even if you run to a bunch of people in the recruiting process and you have the small talk, we're all kind of like in our own worlds. We're all like trying to stay psyched, trying to, you know, be ready for the next interview. Having people to turn to is, like you said, incredibly important and we are, I don't want to say uniquely placed to take advantage of that, but the community here is fantastic and being able to reach and just going for a beer, just having a talk, just getting your mind off of what's happening there is such a good way to kind of re-energize itself and just move on past whatever obstacles. I will say, and I, I'll, I guess I'll finish off my portion with this, I was 20 minutes late for one of my interviews. I got stuck on the subway, couldn't get, couldn't get on the phone, and it was a mess. Got there, and I was, I just said, screw this, I'm not getting the job, I'm just going to have some fun, just have a frank conversation with these people. And I ended up talking about like Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead for like 20 minutes, and they actually, they offered me a job. Like, again, it's really about selling yourself. I mean, as long as you can explain the reason, again, they were, they were really understanding, you know, they knew what the TTC is like, you can't go to seven and half the freaking stations. They were, they were understanding, and once, like, that that was pierced, and we kind of, like, sat back, just had a conversation as, as potential colleagues, I think that's when you can really sell yourself. Because, again, this is a recurring theme. They're not looking just for a competent person. You're there because they know you're competent. They want to know that you're the kind of person they can work with for a couple of years. Not just for the summer, they're looking for articling students, they're looking for associates, they're looking for partners. And they want to see what kind of person you are. So letting that part of yourself shine through is really important. Sell yourself and believe in yourself. I agree. I had an identical experience. I was totally late for one and I got a job offer from it. I think it's because I just managed to wipe my brow full of sweat because I sprinted about nine city blocks in a suit and I figured you know what, I want the job, I'm willing to sweat for it. That's one of those things where, again, right, you never know how these things are going to really pan out and you never know what they're exactly looking for. They made their mind up by that point, they made their mind up. I think one of the really important things is to just, um, that worked well, was like my colleague across the road here said, which was to just stay focused. Just understand, jump from one to the next and let it go and, uh, most importantly, have fun. And I think it's a cheesy thing to say, but I think it's very important. Is to walk in in a novel nature and know that if none of this pans out, you're still good. And to walk in with a self-assuredness that's rooted in all your past accomplishments. And to stop worrying yourself with negative self-talk or whatever sort of 
hyper-over-analytical law brain thing that's going to go off before, during, and after your interviews to just call that, wipe it away, and just look people in the eye and, uh, you know, as another human being and just have a conversation. Walk out of there knowing, like, you did what, what you did when what you could have done. That's it. You've just been listening to The Law School Show. You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or at our website at thelawschoolshow.com. If you liked what you heard, like us again on Facebook and get the latest updates from The Law School Show. Career advancing advice, right to your earbuds.